Jason, tell me, I guess, first of all, your role as director of coaching at Canadian Sports Institute. Tell me a little bit about the day-to-day and what it entails for you. Sure. So as my role with the coaching end of things at the Canadian Sports Institute, uh, I'm, I guess, oversee um, one of our main, I guess, our, our flagship program, our advanced coaching diploma, which mm-hmm. takes up most of my day. And then from there, we offer a number of uh, different professional development opportunities for coaches in the community and, and definitely focusing on uh, competitive and, and I guess more of a higher end or higher level competition athlete uh, bit of programming that we do around that with On the Podium and the Coaching Association and the Olympic Committee. So, um, But yeah, the, the main day-to-day operations is, a, is around our uh, diploma program. So back me up a little bit because one does not become you know, someone in your position without a background in coaching, when did you find coaching or when did coaching find you? Yeah. So I grew up in Edmonton and very active in sports and lucky enough had a a great phys ed department that encouraged us to play a number of sports and then um, also give back a part of our, as we moved through their system would come back and coach the younger grades. So that's really where that started for me. And then I uh, came down to Calgary and competed in gymnastics, and, and part of competing in gymnastics typically is a coaching background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so through my kines degree, um, did more classes around coaching and, and just kept building out that coaching portfolio from there. Your, I guess, philosophy on coaching. I, I, I wonder about, I look at sport and I wonder if any particular role, I mean, the athlete changes, there's no doubt about it. The training changes, there's no doubt about it. Facilities, competition. But I'm hard-pressed to think of anything in athletics that has changed more than coaching maybe in the last decade or two. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that there's some really good science around how coaches behave that's coming forward and, and is a little bit, um, I can't say that it's it's new. It's probably more digestible now. Like maybe the audience mm-hmm. is ready to to be a part of that. Um, but there is some really great um, social science around coach behavior and and the connection with the athletes and and what that looks like. The the sports science part is has been growing leaps and bounds. You know since um, since the Cold War really. So it's the the I guess this new evolution with it is to really look at how coaches and athletes interact and, and how coaches interact with their support teams and how they can really put their best foot forward for the athletes. I love this one, um, and I want to ask you, is coaching an art or a science? Uh, it is for sure a balancing act between the two. <laughs> I, I think if I had to, to stand on one side of the fence, I would say that it's an art, um, uh, a very uh, technical art, um, but for sure it's an art because you're – uh, especially when you're coaching youth, I think I think the best coaches recognize that these young humans that are coming through their program are changing so fast every day, right? The the rate of change for adolescence is is very high, and so every time these new creatures come to practice, you have to be creative and you have to find protocols that that are going to develop those athletes where they are, and then be able to build on that foundation to get them where they want to be. So. We have a, a significant investment from from our point of view in terms of um, getting to developmental coaches to try and, and have some really good experiences for those up-and-coming athletes so that we can see them really foster in a healthy, um, competitive way when we see them on the national team. The role of communication, I mean, it, it seems trite perhaps to bring it up, but again, it goes back to the analytics, the, the, the evolution. It seems to me that that's the one aspect of coaching that maybe has been under the spotlight or comes under the spotlight now maybe more than ever. Yeah, and I think that the, 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 the 
easy perception with it is to see coaches fly off the handle and snap clipboards and throw garbage cans or hockey sticks or sure. whatever it is yeah, that yeah. they see. And, yeah. and, and that is a form of communication. It's a very poor form of communication that, that is not sustainable. And, and we, we see that if we looked wider in pro sports hmm. of, of what that looks like, but a, a, a well, um, kind of a well-grounded relationship between athlete and coach is is dependent on communication. You know, that the athlete needs to know that they can trust the coach, the coach is doing the right thing for them. The coach needs to know when to push, when to hold, when to pull back and and really get the most of them. So that the frank and honest um, communication is important uh, and, and being able to talk about the athlete's... Um, um, I guess, event or, or their experience or, or their performance uh, in a frank and open manner that, that improves it for the next time is, the, is that communication that is, we're, we're shooting for. And off of that, I think there's, there's two things I want to ask you about. The role that technology now plays mm-hmm. because the smartphone has changed things dramatically. Mm-hmm. How, in terms of the communication paradigm with athlete and coaches and, and from a coaching perspective, how much is that an issue these days? Yeah, I'm, I'm really... Um, yeah, issue not in a bad way. Issue, but there's some pretty cool things that are that are happening with technology. So, for example, um, really proud of one of our coaches, uh, Alpine coach who and snowboard coach who um, has a, a method of capturing video of the athletes coming down the hill, even just here at COP, and then they're able to process that video and have a conversation with the athlete before the athlete gets on the chairlift, and then on the way back up the chairlift, the athlete can see the video remember the conversation that they had and have an impact right away, right? So it's a very different, um, uh, the, the speed of the, the, the interactions, the, the, the kind of accuracy of what mm-hmm. that looks like is much different than, you know, the old days of, of rolling out VHS and, <laughs> oh, and yeah. big TVs on yeah. carts and, and having big power supplies for it, right? So it's, it can be instant. The athletes... Um, it can really build on that creativity with it. And you see more around it. I think there was a, um, you know, like through Instagram and stuff, you can see people trying cool things. And I think that adds to that creativity of what athletes can do. See, I appreciate the answer because the, the, the easy answer is to say, oh, those kids and their phones, but it is harnessing it, right? It, that, mm-hmm. That's, you know, getting a coach to adapt and, and not to be the old curmudgeon, but to, to, to what, what's the resource here? How can we appease or make the athlete better? So adapting that technology. Yeah, like it all, um, I think all technology, or, or there's a number of different tools in a coach's toolbox. So um, learning how to effectively use a tool is, is again, no different than a carpenter or a, a chef. Um, you, you, you need good education to know how to use those tools. Mm-hmm. But then the, you know, back to your question around the art part, the, the true masterpiece artists are able to use those tools in a very creative way. Like they're still paintbrushes, but the famous painters use the paintbrushes in a way that made them famous. Right. right? Yeah. Um, uh, something you said early on about the, the kind of maybe where we are as a society, uh, the coaches I would have grown up with, many of them would have come, they would have yelled, I would have done, I would have gone home, and that would have been the end mm-hmm. of the story. I don't think the coach has that opportunity anymore. I think the coach has to be invested in the life, has to be in, invested on, you know, kind of the, the athlete away from the, 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 the field of play, correct? Yeah, I think – altruistically i think that's the the right way to be i think right. that there's still yeah. an awful lot of um 
coach ego that will definitely keep me employed for a long time. Um, <laughs> I think that we will we will have a hard time getting um, getting past that, where coaches feel that if they raise their voice or if they um, uh, behave a certain way, or, or and even with parents in the stands, they they will make those kind of comments or, or behave that way. And and sure enough, as a as a young person, we all remember that feeling, that kind of heightened energy of of trying to do better, trying to sure. to um, make peace with what that looks like. But it isn't is isn't a sustainable model in coaching. It's not a it's not going to keep more kids healthy and active. It's not going to um, make more healthy, active Canadians. It's not going to produce Olympians. It's um, it it is going to be um, an off ramp for for athletes at some point. Jason, I told you I was really looking forward to this conversation because I I love the art and the craft of coaching and I have so many questions. So I'm coming at you a little bit rapid fire here. But your thoughts in this day and age on structure versus free play and where that where that belongs. Yeah, there's and again, um, back to where learning sciences have really come forward. And and it's probably one of the, the hallmarks of our program is that we we try and take the most current science available and put an expert at the front of the room or online to be able to um, facilitate that conversation with our coaches so they can see that that there is um, an example would be uh, block versus random practice, right? So quite often you would see uh, kids standing in line, um, you know, in a volleyball practice or a, a basketball practice or hockey or I mean, any sport, mm. and and they will repeatedly do that drill until they they reach some sort of mastery of it and and um rarely those drills replicate what happens in the game so i remember uh, my experience in uh, high school basketball was that we had to shoot you know 25 free throws in a row on day one otherwise you didn't get to go in tryouts and looking back at that knowing what i know in the science and looking back at that in no in no manner would anyone ever have to shoot 25 free, free throws in a row? Mm-hmm. Never. That's not the way the game's played. Mm-hmm. The game is played with a maximum at that time of two free throws in a row, right? So maybe a better um, way to, to look at it now would be to see a couple of free throw attempts and then go do something else and then come back when you're tired or, or you're under a bit of stress, try it again and then come back to it, right? So being able to randomize that play and, and see... Um, see it more game-like will will produce that opportunity and then the bigger piece i think with it is the multi-sport uh creativity piece that comes through right so uh, i think brooke henderson was just in the news talking about how uh, her time as a goalie helped her manage the stress <laughs> in golf right so for sure we know that kids need to do more sports for sure we know that it pays off so being able to have that time to be creative and fun play with your friends, really open, um, open the door for being what mm-hmm. that can look like. Um, I think we'll, we'll produce more, um, yeah, just more greatness. Soccer is a beautiful game because it's creative. So if it's not creative, the, the, whether it's, uh, Spanish soccer or South American soccer, it, it's beautiful because they're creative and they, they play openly, randomly, consistently, all the time on gravel pits and and whatever they're just having fun and they're trying to do something different with the ball to gain an advantage and and we we miss that i think a bit in north america where we we stay so structured that kids have to stand in a line and and kick the ball and really it's 
it doesn't happen in isolation like that in games. As somebody that that really deals a lot with athletes, high level elite athletes and their coaches, uh, do you wish a couple moments on the soapbox to talk about the problem of early specialization? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, early specialization is is a, is a challenge, and and we. In in our family, we went through it with my daughter and her dancing. Like she she loves to dance. She's mm-hmm. wanted to dance since she was four years old, and and wanted to, you know, wants to be a world champion dancer, and and she she dances more than she does anything else. But she also was in a in a program here in the city that we're a part of through um, our partnership with Bonas High School, where she was able to really see a bunch of different sports and and because of that she's like man this is so much fun right yeah you know to be able to to um be in a bobsleigh or to learn how to power lift or throw baseballs and and everything it it really opened up her eyes that it's it's more to it and because she she wasn't a strong ball thrower or um um you know badminton or something wasn't Mm. her strong suit and and she didn't grow really tall so volleyball as much as she wanted to play it she she couldn't ever get into do it because she just you know, wasn't an obvious pick because she wasn't six foot two, right. um, and then uh, wasn't able to handle the ball as well as as other kids who do it all the time. So, yeah, for sure, given the opportunity, I would I would encourage a lot of exploration in um, in in even if they're in a sport like gymnastics or figure skating where they they do need to be focused on that sport perhaps earlier than than we'd like from a development point of view. Um, there's still time to you know try skiing, go for a swim ride your bike like go do other stuff what you've done jason is you've kind of jogged me into a position that i've, I've never asked this question before because we're we're about 14 minutes into this conversation what's impressed me the most is your ability to talk about gymnastics basketball soccer dance you have clearly a depth and and you know breadth of information from different sports i'm talking about early specialization in athletes is that a problem with coaches is it is a better well more well-rounded coach a coach that has coached in other sports yeah i think so because the um when coaches coach and 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 they learn from other uh, let me rephrase that we know that coaches learn best when they learn with other coaches. So one of our, our taglines at our diploma program is around peer enrichment, right? Mm-hmm. So we want coaches from other sports to interact and, and recognize that that they're dealing with humans, right? So they have different um, outcomes in their in their sports, but they're still dealing with these young humans. And, and when they do start talking shop and comparing how um, you know a, a skeleton coach can talk to a swimming coach about how their athletes interact and practice they they produce really cool dialogue and i'm i'm super fortunate and uh to be able to hear that dialogue right and to hear how that comes across and and we've seen that peer enrichment through the program go so far as having swimming coaches go stand even at the university where where we have uh the university of calgary where we've got a fantastic swimming program a fantastic speed skating program um, and a volleyball program through their CIS, and and the three coaches rarely spent time together on their own. They they work hundreds of feet apart, but they never got together. Right. But they actually went to each other's practices and and talked about the practice and talked about coaching and 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 learned what that practice looked like. And and uh, and I know that that came forward in their education. Like it 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 helped them produce some really cool evidence to demonstrate their competency as an advanced coach. It, it was. It's exciting to watch. A, a couple more, and then I really want to dig deep down on your advanced coaching diploma program and, and, and what you do. Um, but one has to do with 
recruitment of coaches. Again, you deal a lot with elite coaching. Do we have a an, an issue with recruitment of coaches? I know that some sports are, are losing players, but are we losing coaches? Yeah, we we do lose coaches. Um, we also struggle with our ability to grow coaches internally and and recognize their their mm-hmm. um, their metal internally. Um, so probably two examples: a, a sport like curling has done a fantastic job. We're internationally known as a as a powerhouse for it, and and now we're seeing these curling coaches coach with other countries, and it's really hard on us, right? Like yeah. it's. It's making a big deal, so so we do have a little bit of brain drain going on from from sports. Um, the sports that do a great job of, of producing internal talent, I think, uh, will see really sustainable results. Um, I think the other side of that coin is that there is a lot of pressure with the way sports are funded to produce medals quickly and produce um, uh, kind of an immediate results, which falls into that same category of snapping clipboards right like you you can you can get a quick result by bringing in an international uh, expert but if we don't use that expert to to train coaches and athletes then it's kind of a loss on investment right, right. It, it's a good investment because right. it, it helps us do what we need to do at the time um, but it would be great to see those coaches invest their time um, domestically and, and we have a sport here in in the, in the building with luge that that does that they they find really talented uh, coaches from countries like Germany and able to bring them here and and integrate them into the way we do things and and they stick around and they're very successful so all right last one and then we'll get to what we're supposed to be talking about and that is how, how much of a difference is there for a coach of an individual as opposed to a coach coaching a team is, is it can you can you be better at one can one do the other or is there a, a chasm between being a successful coach of an individual as opposed to a, a successful coach of a team yeah great question I think I think from my my vantage point like kind of up in the lifeguard chair there's a much smaller um, difference than than the people who are on the ground doing it like I think that uh, a team sport coach would would be um, would learn quickly that individual sports are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, the individual sports are very much a, a performance on demand, one one and done type situation, and um, and in, in more of the team sports, you kind of have you know sixty minutes or eighty minutes to to get the job done. So, so I think that there is some differences with that, but in, in the daily training environment, the actual interaction between this is how you fit into our program and this is your role on our program. Um, and here's how we can develop your role so that you can be more impactful. I, I, there's not as much of a difference there. Um, and a, a great example that, that might make sense to people is someone like, um, uh, uh, NHL coach that, that can come in to a team Canada situation and take a team of individuals from from a number of different NHL teams sure. and pull them together to be a, a team, right. right? And so they're they're very much individuals playing a team sport, but but they they don't play together. They they've been together for you know eight days, ten days, and suddenly they're they're developing and gelling, right? So I think that 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 would demonstrate that they are just people, and and people have. Uh, performances that they want to get better at and and the best figure out a way to do it 
So, Jason, as the director of coaching uh, for the Canadian Sports Institute, tell me about the advanced coaching diploma. Yeah, real proud of the advanced coaching diploma. It's a it's a evolution of the National Coaching Institute diploma uh, that started off in in the early '90s, and um, what we've evolved into is something that reaches more coaches across the the country. We um, do a, a blended delivery online, so we can see people from. I've, in my current, I've got two groups on the go. Um, we've got coaches in Toronto. I've got a coach up north. I've got a coach who travels and, and essentially lives in the States for most of the year for their sport. Uh, and we can all be online interacting and, and sharing. So we're really, really proud of the way that we've set that structure up. Um, we've built out a bit of a, a tagline for it where we see it, uh, the program being a coach-driven model where we want coaches to really embrace their learning and take it forward um, we're very proud of the experts that we put at the front of the room to lead the group we know that the, the all the research and we've gone back and, and studied the way we Canada trains coaches the way the rest of the world coaches uh, trains coaches that we see the most impactful education when coaches work with other coaches um, so our peer enrichment strategy is, is a big piece and then finally we offer multi-sport mentors so if we have um, Typically, the cohort is going to be about 20 coaches from, from a number of different sports. If we do have uh, coaches from the same sport, we would not put them in the same small group, okay. kind of a pod, yeah. and we'd give them a mentor that is not from their sport. And it really is a robust way of learning that the coaches um, are, are not experts in anybody else's field. They are active learners, and, and it's a, we're, we're really proud of the way it's, it's coming through. The, the first round of, since this change um, happened in, I guess, 20, 2012, um, we've seen a, a lot of coaches come through that have had some fantastic impacts in their community. Um, figure skating coaches in Airdrie and Okotoks, for example, have, have done great things. A whitewater kayak coach here has done great things in the city. Um, and, and now this, this new batch uh, have coaches that are just about to graduate are, are they're really exciting to watch. I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be a part of it for sure. So who's the, who's the audience? What, what type of coach or what level of coach is coming to this program? Yeah, so we, we go after coaches, or I guess we, we'd attract a coach that is working with an athlete in, in a competitive context that would be close to, to next generation or uh, um, Canada Games, provincial games coach so that that's a wide net and we would see a um, kind of a, a top performing local club like say a wrestling club where their athletes are are looking to get into provincial competitions or, mm-hmm. or go to nationals or maybe in in wrestling they're now trying to get to university and, and be a part of those really robust programs so we would see that coach we would also see um, a coach that would be uh, tapped on the shoulder to, to represent their sport at Canada Games. Um, and then most of the, the people in the room have international coaching experiences. So uh, one of our tennis coaches takes their their program internationally all year. Um, we've got um, Olympic-level uh, bobsleigh coaches and, and para-swimming coaches and para-Nordic coaches in the program. Like it, It's a big net, so level's a tough word, but definitely looking at at the context that their athletes are competing in and trying to match that with the with who we put at the front of the room so are they are they referred to you or are they recommended to you or do they apply to get in um yeah <laughs> so you're right all of that <laughs> they um 
So they do, there is a, there's an application program. We're actually uh, just about to start our next intake. So the application process would start right after the long weekend here. Um, coaches would apply through the coach.ca uh, locker database is, is how they'd go through that and all the information's on there. Um, we, we see, once the application process has started, we interact with the provincial sport organization and the national sport organization to identify that this coach is working with an appropriate level of mm-hmm. athlete and that the sport will um, need to be made aware and, and likely be engaged in that learning. So there's some really specific learning opportunities that the sports do with the coaches in this program that are, um, you know, in, invitations to national training camps, as an example, would yeah. would be there for these coaches. And, and um, so... Th- so yes, referral, um, yes, recommended, and yes, applied. Okay. What's the program look like? So if I, if I get in and I, I start in the, in the next group, what, what's my journey look like? Yeah, we've, we've gone through a couple of iterations of, of what the, the process or the daily learning environment for us is. Um, the way it sits right now, we start the new cohort in April with a three-day in-person boot camp. And then we do weekly sessions um, for about three hours between April and September. And then in September, we do another three-hour boot camp. And then we do uh, another three hours a week of classroom until about the end of November. Mm. We take a break uh, through the winter months. Most of my coaches that I attract are winter sports, or they would be sports that are busiest competing in the wintertime. So even though sports like swimming, as an example, are busy... A year, everybody's busy year round, but their swimming would be considered a summer sport. Um, most clubs are busiest competing through the school year, and then um, their final, like their big competitions, are in June. So we take that break over the winter months. Um, coaches kind of pull together their evidence from the work that we've done over the year, and then they start their second year with much of the same program. They would, we do a, a three day boot camp in April, do three hours of classroom, uh, either in person or online from April till November, uh, no second boot camp in the second year. Um, and then we see them uh, produce their final uh, by June. So it's a, about a 30-month program. Um, the time commitment per, per week is probably in the 12 to 18 hours a week category. So at the end, what would be success for you at the end as, as an evaluator? I mean, I'm sure there's written components and, and yeah. on that, but when you come, when, when someone comes out of that and you look at them, where, where's the success come? Yeah, where it, it's, it's pretty hard to really drop a pin in it, but it, it's very clear that successful coaches from our program think differently. So they, they come into our program as, as experts, yeah. you know, they've reached a, a level in their education and, and their their progression through their system to be mm-hmm. eligible to get to our program. And then from there, with the experiences that they go through, the evidence that they produce, they they think differently. And and we can see that, that change in thinking to a really advanced level, um, usually about halfway through second year, and it just snowballs. Yeah. Uh, if there's a, a reason that coaches don't finish the program, it's typically because the sport swoops them up and increases their workload, and, and it's hard for them to finish once they, they move up the ranks in, in their sport. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, this is such a great facility. Are you able to offer workshops, coaching clinics, and things like that throughout the year? Yeah, yeah I would like to uh, – part of my, my goal, I guess, is to see – 
the, the Canadian Sport Institute Calgary as a destination in Alberta for coach education. And, mm. and we've been working with our partners at the two universities here, um, the University of Alberta, um, the, the Alberta Sport Development Centers, um, and really trying to, to bridge that communication and, and process around coach education so that we can we can have great accessibility for sure in in Calgary in the Boat Corridor, but uh, we want that reach to come through Alberta, and and we're getting much better at at delivering courses online, and so we're seeing that scope now across across the country. So very proud of that reach, and and it's exciting to be able to bring that top talent in from around the country. 